And um, they said, how old are you, Dad? I said, I'm 57. And they went, no, you're not, you're 58. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember how old I am. <laughs> it's that stage of your life, isn't it, Pete? Where you, one birthday's like another, you just forget. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray as we start. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the foundation that it is. We thank you, Lord, that nothing can shake your word, Lord. Nothing can shake your kingdom. Your kingdom, your word, will stand for eternity. And we thank you that we can look into your word this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you are God's word. And that you have changed us. You have come and washed us clean with your blood. You have saved us and sealed us with your spirit. So we thank you for that this morning. Come amongst us, Lord, and speak to us. Quicken our hearts, challenge us. Thank you for that this morning. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. I'm really thankful that as a church, as a family of churches, we are a people who believe and operate in the prophetic. That we exercise the gift of prophecy. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit. I'm grateful that we receive and we what we call way prophecy and we'll look at what that means just now especially when prophecy comes with direction or warning I'm really grateful that we recognize the leadership gift of the office of the prophet which helps to build the church and trains and equips us to prophesy and build one another up in the purposes of God and for his church and his purpose is to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the whole earth and to bring us to maturity and cross. doesn't leave you as you are. He wants to bring you to maturity. I couldn't imagine being a Christian 
or walking in the spirit living and walking out my salvation without being shaped by the prophetic both exercising the gift and receiving the gift Amen In the 1970s and 1980s I'm really giving my age away now. That was in the last century. <laughs> the church worldwide contended. It fought for the restoration of the gifts of the Spirit. And I especially remember that because it was in the 1980s that I started to encounter the gift of prophecy. I want to give you some context from my life. Because I have walked a long road of receiving prophecy, first of all, and then stepping out into exercising the gift as well. I think the first time that I dramatically encountered the gift of prophecy was um, from a, a, a chap, a, a man in the church that we used to visit now and then. And he called me out of a crowd. And he prophesied over me. He didn't know me. And I didn't know him personally. But as he laid hands on me, he said the words, little man of much fire. And it was after that, it was a strong impartation. That's all I can say. But I began to just flow. God began to show me things and I began to operate in, in the gift of prophecy like I'd never done before. I made some really serious blunders. I made some mistakes. Um, embarrassed myself a few times. Many times. But that's how you learn. That's how you start. And then because I was leading worship in my local church a lot. When we had visiting prophetic ministries being invited in, invariably I was the guy that was picked on when he wanted to minister and prophesy over somebody and say, come here. And I began to see a pattern in the prophetic words that I received. 
beginning to see confirmation coming through. And I know some of you have have seen that for yourselves. If you've received prophetic ministry, you begin to see a pattern, you begin to see a theme. You begin to see what way God is leading you in your life, where He's gifted you. Now, for me, it was about leading worship. That was the most obvious one because I was doing it. But then again and again, there were common themes of a call to the nations and a call to being prophetic. And then in 1989, one of the most profound words that Lynn and I received happened to us. We were a group of, of young married couples. Our first daughter, Sarah, was nine months old, I think. And we had a prophetic ministry visiting us, a lady. And she prophesied over us that we would be uprooted from our local church in Amantantoti. And we would be planted in the middle of the country. Haven't a clue where that was. And she was just speaking out what God was showing her. It was only nine years later. Nine years. That we first came to Clarence in 1997. And suddenly our eyes were opened. And in the middle of this area, we began to see vision. Vision was cast before us for the nations. In a small bar, a barn on Crom Drive Farm. It was, it was vision for the nations that we had never ever encountered. Our situation in the Mamsentoti was a very pastoral one. Our leader there, our pastor, the leader of our eldership team was a very, very sweet man. He was purely pastoral. He cared for you like a mother cares for a baby. We used to laugh at him, he used to say, he used to come alongside you and wind and burp you. (laughs) Rub your back and try and get the winds up like a baby. But when we came here, 
We encountered the apostolic gift in its infancy. Steve was just starting to exercise that gift. And it was there because he kept speaking about the nations. He couldn't stop speaking. He couldn't stop envisioning. And you know one thing about the prophetic gift. To truly operate in a biblical way. To truly build foundations and mature the church. It must be linked with the apostolic. It must be linked with an apostolic gift that brings vision, that opens the nations to you. I say this with respect, but when the prophetic is not linked to the apostolic, the prophet can become a Christian fortune teller. And that's not the purposes of God. It's a it's a part of the prophetic gift. As as Matapela very graciously said, prophesied over her and Matapela numerous times. But it's not just about personal prophecy. It's about opening up mission. The book of Acts is not about personal prophecy. It's about extending mission. We'll talk about that a bit more later on. Do you desire to be prophetically shaped? Thrust your hand up. We all desire. Some of us have received it, some of us still have to. Do you have this desire? If you want to be prophetically shaped, then the first and only place to start to have this happen in your life <coughs> is your life being submitted to the word of God. You thought I was going to say, go and sit on the mountain and wait for God's voice, didn't you? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's actually very simple. And it's not just part the parts of God's word that bring comfort and blessing. But it's the parts of the word of God that our lives need to be submitted to. 
that challenge us, that even bring discomfort sometimes. That sometimes sometimes say, not your will, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Matthew, I think I've got the scripture wrong because I looked it up just now and it's wrong. Matthew, where it says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, die to self and learn to become the the servant of all. I wrote down Matthew 20, but it's not Matthew 20, it's somewhere else. (laughs) Those are not easy scriptures to to shape your life. You know, Jesus is an example of this. So let's start with Jesus. His life, his focus, all he did on this earth was shaped and molded in submission to scripture. And at that time, he didn't have the New Testament. Jesus didn't look up Paul's writings and and find out what the church was all about. What Jesus had was the law and the prophets. How do we know that? Because he used to quote them. And what were these books pointing towards? What were the law and the prophets pointing towards? Becoming Messiah. The one who would save his people from their sins. Imagine being Jesus. Reading Psalm 22. And he knows that this is speaking about him. These parts. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it melts within me. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass around me. Listen to this. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them 
and for my clothing they cast lots. David's Psalm 22 was prophesying the crucifixion of Christ. Jesus had that. And yet he didn't walk away from it. He was shaped by it. He was directed by it. He's our example of being shaped firstly by the word of God. After Jesus came out of the wilderness from being tested by the devil, he goes into the synagogue and they, they give him the prophet Isaiah to read. They give him the scroll. And the Bible says he chose the passage. And he, he opens to Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Again, declaring that he is being led by the word of God. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Jesus being obedient to the word of God. Remember he came as fully God. But he came also as fully man. His, his flesh had to be submitted to the purposes of God. Our flesh is the most difficult thing to submit to God. And to be the perfect sacrifice, Jesus had to be tempted in the flesh in every way that we are tempted. But to be without sin, to be found without sin. Even his testing in the wilderness by Satan Jesus' first thought was to the word of God. He didn't pull out his lightsaber, sort of Star Wars action and fight the devil and cast down, you know, thunderbolts and lightning and angels. He used what we've got. It is written. We've been shaped by the word of God. It is written. When we are tested, when we suffer temptation, it is written. Amen. Amen. Be shaped by the word of God. Why does God's word come first in the journey of being shaped by the prophet? I don't want to dwell too long on this, but I have to say it. There's a lot of falsehood out there. 
There are a lot of people who set themselves up in a prophetic ministry. Our country, Africa, Africa, the world is full of them. At best, these people are false shepherds. And at worst, they are wolves seeking to devour the sheep. Why do I say this? Because their concern, these people that set themselves up in these ministries, who misuse the word of God, their concern is not for the people of God. It's not for the building of the church. Their motives are clear to people who know God's word and who are discerning. And their two motives are money and fame for themselves. That's all they seek. It's not about the church. It's not about laying down their lives. It's not about accountability. God will not have these people as thieves and robbers in his kingdom. And the tragedy, people of God, the tragedy is is that when these people are brought low, the people that have looked to them, who have followed them, are left confused and alone. Amen. 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 So why should God's word come first in shaping our mind and our actions? When we are shaped and strengthened first by God's word, we will be able to discern the voice of the true shepherd from the voice of the false shepherd. If this is not cemented in us, we will be led astray. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, he warns the church very, very strongly about preaching a gospel based on human effort. And unfortunately, false prophets and false apostles always go for the human effort. They always try to get you to do something for your salvation. Because that's the weakness of our flesh. We're always feeling guilty. 
We're always feeling like we've come short. And the enemy adds to that with accusations. And so the false apostle and the false prophet says, well, if you just do this, you'll be acceptable. It's always Jesus plus something. It's always Jesus and this very special prayer mat that will cost you a hundred rands. It's always Jesus and this holy water that I've produced specially for you. Amen. It's always Jesus and you need to be visited by angels. I remember one of these false prophets preaching a whole Christmas message on the importance of seeing angels. Brothers and sisters, when have you ever heard a message like that in this church? When have you ever opened your Bible and seen the necessity of angelic visitations for your salvation? You see, if you know God's word, you can go, nonsense. If you don't, you'll go running after that revelation. It's not Jesus and a cow and a goat and a chicken and a sheep to be sacrificed. Jesus' sacrifice of his body on the cross was once and for all. I'm sorry, but no other sacrifice is ever, ever going to be good enough. It's not Jesus and 200 rand for an appointment with Steve. Have you ever been charged for ministry with Steve? He's available. Leaders are available. We're here amongst the sheep. We're not up there in some untouchable place. We don't have ten bodyguards that arrive with us on a Sunday. To keep the common man away. Ha! <laughs> It was so funny, Donna was telling me when some of her leaders who've not been in the church very long they were watching Mark Thorne and some of you know him. They tuned in to one of his services on a Sunday in England. And 
And when the meeting was finished, Donna said, is there anything you'd like to say? Is there any questions? It was great being part of that meeting. And these poor guys went, we noticed he didn't have any bodyguards. And no one carried his Bible. It's it's so embarrassing what some people have brought into the church. That we are suffering with these worldly things. It's not Jesus and the ancestors. It's like... It's Jesus alone. The motivation for ancestors is fear. It's fear. And we have been rescued from fear. There is no other reason. It's all written in fear. If I don't, then this will happen. If I don't do that, oh, I'll be in trouble. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. The Father is not sitting in heaven waiting to knock you over the head every time you do something wrong. Brothers and sisters, let's be careful on Facebook. The, the gospel is not, if you say this prayer three times, then you are going to be amazingly rich today. <laughs> that is superstition. It's, it's superstition. It's witchcraft. Don't believe that silly nonsense. Where, where do you open the Bible and says, say this verse three times? Let's not use this like a lucky packet. When I was a child, we used to go to the shops and buy a packet of sweets. It was called a lucky packet. And you bought your lucky packet. And there was a toy inside. You never knew what you were going to get until you had bought it and opened it. But that's how some people treat the Bible. Don't do that. 
Petrus, bless you for that contextualization of the yeah. scripture that we receive today. That's how we should read the Bible. That's how we should understand the word of God. What was the prophet saying to the people at that time? Why was he saying it? And how can we apply it to our lives today? That's what you will hear in this church. That's you will that's what you will hear in our family of churches. Brothers and sisters, resist those things that make light of God's word. Resist those things that take you away from the truth. Resist those things that try to add other things onto the salvation of the cross. I can't say it more strongly than Paul. The Galatians were doing that. They were adding other things onto their salvation. They had false apostles coming to them and saying, You've received the, 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 the salvation of Jesus Christ. Uh, but you also need the law. And Paul was going, no. You do not. And he was so strong about this. He says, there are some of you, uh, there are some of you who are troubled and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach you this gospel different to the one we preach to you. Let him be cursed. He's even prepared to curse an angel if it comes down from heaven and tells you, you must have Jesus plus. What has this got to do with being prophetically shaped? You will never receive the benefit, the encouragement, the shaping of the prophetic if you don't know God's word. Amen. Amen. There are a lot of Christians who run after the prophetic 
And they give little time to apply the word of God for themselves. And that's why they end up in this absolute confusion. Read Paul's letters. Sit down and read Galatians. Read the letters to Timothy. Read the letters to the church. They are full of truth. And it's what God is saying. Sorry, it's what God says He's doing in every Christian's life. So, firstly, be shaped by God's word. Secondly, the reason we should be open to and desire to be prophetically shaped. It's because prophecy and the workings of the gift of the Spirit in the New Testament they shaped the early church. And the same way it still shapes us today. Let's start with Jesus again. He prophesied about the Holy Spirit being sent to us. Because Jesus knew that he was returning to the Father. He told us, he told the disciples a lot of what would happen. And he said to them, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. Disciples didn't understand. They really thought Jesus was going to restore the kingdom. The kingdom of Israel. And chase the Romans out. But suddenly, Old Testament scripture began to make sense to them. Where the prophet Joel prophesied the spirit being poured out. Suddenly they understood. As they were baptized in the spirit. Amen. Amen. So Jesus. Was prophesying and shaping. Then we start to see prophecies shaping the early church. And I'm only going to have a look at Acts chapter 13. Although a lot happened before that. We look through the New Testament, the Holy Spirit working in and through the apostles and the believers. And you know what? It's always working in the context of the local church. It's not a voice in the wilderness. That time has passed. 
Okay, that was for the prophets. In the Old Testament, who had completely received the word of God. We are not like that today. We don't completely receive the word of God. The Bible says we prophesy in parts. The prophets in the Old Testament paid a price for being completely um, embodying the word of God. Because they were stoned. They were beaten. They were Especially if they were wrong. Even when they were right, they also got victimized. So imagine that today, we wouldn't open our mouths. Oh dear, you got that wrong. We'll be stoning you after church. We don't carry that responsibility. We don't carry that responsibility. We prophesy with a small p. In part. And we use the gift in relationship and in community. Yeah. You know, even that lady that prophesied over Lynn and myself in 1989. She was married. She was an Australian lady. She was married to a South African Karoo farmer. He farmed sheep. So we can do in the Karoo sheep, I think. But you know where she found community and accountability? Not a lot of not a lot of choice of churches in a place where there's very few people. I think in her town there was one Afrikaans church and one English Methodist church. And she used to go to the little Methodist church. She said to the pastor, this is, this is who I am. This is what I feel God's called me to. And I want to make myself accountable to you. I want you to speak into my life. And pastor me. And disciple me. And correct me. And adjust me. She wasn't just this, um, I'm a prophet. She was accountable. That's how you can tell the true prophets. The true prophetic gift. They're in relationship. They're in community. They realize they don't have the, the first and final word of God. And she used to be invited into situations. Amen. 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 In the New Testament, we see prophecy giving rise to mission. 
Jale mwana testamente nyenja. Kibona bupa ofita shye bupa hama lithulo. Acts chapter 13. While the disciples, while the uh, prophets and teachers were worshipping the Lord. The Holy Spirit said to them. Here we go. Here's the prophetic shaping the early church. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. For the work which I have called them. Those words, the work which I have called them. It kind of gives me the thought that God had maybe already put things in their heart. And this was a wonderful confirmation. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Throughout the New Testament, we see the prophetic gift working with the apostolic gifts, opening up new regions, laying foundations of God's word. Amen. Amen. Prophecy and the other gifts are not there for Christian entertainment. They're not there for you to sit back and go, wow, isn't that man amazing? They are not there for self-promotion. They are there for advancing the gospel. For building the church. And they are worked out in the local church. How do we exercise the gift of prophecy? As I've said to you, we prophesy in parts. And we prophesy, the Bible says, according to the measure of faith and gifting that we've been given. I've been absolutely going to pick on you again, Petrus. I've been amazed. I've I've stood in wonder at the grace of God. As I've seen the prophetic gift emerging in Petros. The day he was saved, he didn't just start prophesying. But as as the word of God has shaped his life, as it's built him up, as he's applied himself in scripture, as he's remained faithful to what God is doing in his life and in the local community, he's grown in his gifting. And we first saw it in the teaching gift. But now we're starting to see it in the prophetic. Amen. 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 I mean, it, it's, it's marvelous to watch. God does 
um, add to faithfulness. There are rewards in God. When we apply ourselves diligently, not for our salvation, that's in Christ. Amen. Amen. Nothing we can add to that. But as we want to grow in our gifts, and we ask God for more, He starts to do it as we are faithful. Amen. 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 1 Corinthians 14 verse 29. I haven't got time to read it, but it speaks about weighing prophecy. That means we it's not just about deciding is it right or wrong. Can we receive this gift or not? But we also decide how important it is. And how does it apply to us? Amen. 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 That's about weighing prophecy. It's about applying certain tests to it. Does it line up with the word of God? Or does it cut straight across this and and just leave a terrible feeling in our hearts. That's what we do when we receive prophecy. We weigh it. Sometimes we know that that's just an amazing word. We can feel what we call prophetic resonance. There's a wonderful instrument. It's a it's an Indian instrument. It's called a sitar. It's a very complicated guitar. I don't know how many strings it's got on. It's very, very complicated. But it's made in such a way that if you pluck some strings and you make a sound with them, well done, Topsy, you do so. <laughs> If you touch those strings and make a sound, there are other strings on that instrument that you don't even need to touch and they start vibrating. Because of the sound vibrations that you're making on some of the strings. Those other strings just start making a sound. And they make a sound that's that's complements it it goes with the sound that you've already made. That's what prophetic resonance is. 
Someone will bring a word. And it's immediately making a noise in your heart and, and they don't even know it. It's making the same sound in your spirit. And that's why it's always good to, to be in the context of the body. Because as one, one person brings the gift of prophecy, another one can say, yes, I'm feeling the same thing. I must rush. <laughs> the, number four, the evidence of fruitfulness and being prophetically shaped. I hope you can see in this church and in our regions beyond family of churches. We've embraced the prophetic. We've given it space amongst us. And as we've done that, God has actually spoken spoken to us about some of the values that we've come to make our own. As God speaks to us, we think, that's a value that we need to adopt. Embracing the poor, ministry with the poor. We never understood that until God showed us in his word. He raises the poor from the ash heap and he seats them with princes. We were prophetically shaped by that word. Suddenly it wasn't just about the church having a soup kitchen and giving food to the poor. It was about, but they seated with princes. We need to embrace the poor and bring them on the mission with us or send them out to the nations. Topsy went to Australia. Four years ago, three years ago, four years ago. You won't mind me saying this because you've spoken about it yourself. But from, from abject poverty and struggling to make ends meet, Topsy was able to get on an aeroplane, go to Australia, and tell those rich people what it means to be poor. And how God has changed her life. And she broke their hearts. She broke their hearts for the poor. She broke them out of their materialism. She broke them out of their thinking that they need a fat bank account and a car and a house before they can serve God. 
Rory Watts from Keystone Church in Joburg. He was making plans. He was leaving South Africa. He was moving to Australia. And this word from Topsy broke his heart. And he said, oh no, I've got to stay. I've got to stay. God's doing something in this nation. Amen. Amen. That's prophetic shaping. Being there for one another's success. It's another value that came to us as we heard God. This church was born out of the prophetic. Before there was anything here, Steve, a businessman, very successful, didn't, didn't lack for anything, goes to a conference in Toronto and someone prophesies over him and says, I've called you to the daisies of Africa. Prophetic shaping starts happening. He goes to a conference in the, 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 in the Drakensberg and the preacher says, it's time to break camp and advance. Steve went home and said to Heather very sheepishly, We've got to move <laughs> to the middle of the country. God's calling us. God's calling us. Will you allow yourself to be shaped? Many of you have heard the Katsi Dam prophecy. That what God is going to do here, there was no building. There was no farm. There were no leaders. There was no bank accounts. nothing. But what God is going to do here is going to influence the nations. And as you look into scripture, you see the purposes of God. Psalm 2 verse 8, ask of me. And I will give you the nations. Those of you who were here in the beginning. That was the scripture on the banner at the back of the barn. Ask of me. What can God do with a place of no significance? What can God do? What can God do with the people who don't amount to much? Mudima 
And I include myself in that. And I know Peter, you include yourself in that. What have we amount to? But look what God's done. Jesus of Nazareth. Not Jesus of Jerusalem. Not Jesus of Rome. Jesus of Nazareth. Where? What good can come out of Nazareth? But, but you see, we're being shaped prophetically. When you receive words like that, you weigh them and you bring them before God and you say, confirm. Show us. Lead us. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 49, verse 6. It's too small a thing. Just to reach your own people group. I've called you to the nations. Yes, you are called to reach your own people group. You are called to go to neighboring territory. But it's also called us to the nations. And when we couldn't go to the nations, he brought them here. You've seen the people from the USA. You've seen the people from Australia. You've seen people from the Philippines. From Burundi. From Malawi. From Malawi. From UK, from England, UK, from the Netherlands, Netherlands, from Russia, from Russia. We even had people from Ukraine in this building. <laughs> and their homes have been devastated and they've been scattered. God's brought us the nations. And you have touched their lives. In ways that are you are unimaginable. How does being a city on a hill relate to being prophetically? Shared? I'll put it the other way around. Being prophetically shaped will cause you to be a city on a hill. Shining out with God's life and God's presence. The prophetic gift working amongst us. Working in our lives. Working in this church. It charges us up like a battery being charged. You come into a meeting, feel a little bit flat. And the prophetic comes. Wakes us all up. <laughs> Charges us. I felt it this morning when Petrus brought that word. It woke me up. Yes, God. You are speaking to us. You are challenging us. It's as, it's as, I 
I don't want to use the word simple because simple is such a mm. word. It's, it's just like that. It encourages, it provokes us, it causes us to take a step forward. It gives us a deep sense and a confirmation that God is mindful of us. Mindful of what he wants to do through us. That he is speaking to us. Brothers and sisters, a city on a hill without God's presence. Without the people in the city hearing his voice. It's just a monument. Where no one lives. It's something that once was, but is no more. I'm so thankful we're not a monument. Monuments are places that people go to and they walk around and they look at the history. That's where tourists go. Mm, this used to happen here. Well, 50 years ago. Very nice. <laughs> and they walk out the door. And they're not moved. Not really excited. No life-changing experience. Because it's just a monument. No one lives there. Maybe the only person who's there is the tourist guide who's showing them around. At the end of the day, he switches off the lights, locks the door and goes home. Church is not meant to be a monument. It's where God lives. Amongst his people. Living, breathing, speaking through us. We are not created for people to go, oh, isn't that beautiful? Like an ornament on a shelf. We have been created for function. Living, breathing, vessels filled with God's Spirit. 
ready and useful for every good work. That's what it means to be constantly prophetically shaped. Remembering what God said to us. Knowing what God is saying to us now. And trusting him to lead us into everything he's got for us. Amen. Let's close Lord, I thank you that when we open your word, we can see your purpose for us. We're mindful of scriptures that says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. We thank you that your word speaks to us. We thank you that your word builds us up. We thank you for the gifts of your spirit that you've given us to edify one another, to build us up, Lord, to envision us to open up new things to us. I pray, Lord, that you would guard our hearts in your word that we would not be led astray by the people who would who would manipulate your word, who would only seek their own promotion and their own welfare. Lord, I pray that we as a prophetic community would lay down our lives for one another. That we would be truly Christ-like. That we would be prophetic in our demonstration of love to one another. Lord, I pray that your word would spur us on to even greater things. Even more of what you've got for us. I thank you for that word this morning, Lord, of that that water drop coming in the midst of us and and splashing out and sending us out to the nations. And sending out influence of of what you're doing amongst us out to the nations. Pray for an example of that today, as Stephen Heather in Missoula, Lord. Where he's 
championing your vision of what you've called him to in the nations. Where he's there to, to build up the churches and strengthen and encourage them. And we know, Lord, we rejoice because He's doing that because of what you've done here. And as he's there, he's taken us with him in his heart. To speak about all that you're doing amongst us. And in that way, we are affecting that nation. I thank you for that. Strengthen Steve, Lord. As he preaches, strengthen him as he prophesies. Strengthen him as he brings your word. And we wait in eager anticipation. As the disciples did in Antioch for Paul's return. To hear about the gospel opening up lives. Your church being built in the nations. We thank you for that, Lord. And we pray, lead us on in that, Lord. I pray, Lord, in this coming year, the months to come, there will be more and more opportunities for us to influence the nations. Just as you have promised. From the beginning. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.